Well, good morning, everybody. Um, there are um, two types of songs in this world. There are longing songs and satisfaction songs. I think there's probably more longing songs than there are satisfaction songs, and I think I would put myself in the camp of enjoying the longing songs more than the satisfaction songs because they just seem to be more honest, right? It's a little bit more raw when you come to a longing song. And one of the more famous of the longing songs ever written or ever sang was written and sang by a guy named Mick Jagger. Ever heard of him? Yeah? You know the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. His grammar is terrible in that song. But he's, he's, he's right. He's, 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 he's honest in what he's saying. He tries to find satisfaction in all kinds of things. And if you know the story of Mick Jagger, he tried all kinds of things. But he couldn't find any satisfaction. So we started this series um, in the book of Ecclesiastes last week, um, talking about some of these things. And we're going to go to part two today. If you missed part one, I encourage you to go online, catch part one, because a lot of what we talked about in part one is going to follow us throughout this entire series. But today, surprisingly, we're going to find that the author of Ecclesiastes and Mick Jagger are kind of alike. Yes, yeah, I'm not joking. There's a little bit of similarity between what Mick Jagger's saying and what the author of Ecclesiastes is going uh, to say to us today. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, I'd love for you to find Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12 today. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. So find, you know, kind of in the middle of your Bible, there's Psalms and then there's Proverbs and then there's Ecclesiastes, if you want to go there. But before we jump into that, I want to point something out that's happening here. Um, it's, it's a literary device that um, authors in the ancient world would use. Authors today still use this. Um, but the author would assume the persona of someone famous and then write from the perspective of that, that famous person. And, and in the text we're going to look at today, the author is taking on the persona of King Solomon, which is why a lot of people think that Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, and scholars debate that in, in scholarly circles, but uh, the literary device is still in effect here. So it would be kind of like you or me trying to convince somebody who, um, who has a lot of money, that doesn't necessarily satisfy them, by, by taking on the persona of Jeff Bezos. Okay, So you take on the persona of Jeff Bezos, you have more money than you can ever spend in your entire lifetime. And you write from his perspective about how even having as much money as you can spend in your lifetime still doesn't satisfy. That's what the author is going to do. He's going to take on, he's going to put himself in, in Solomon's sandals. And he goes, let's talk about whether all the things that Solomon had at his disposal would satisfy the human heart. Okay? So he's going to talk about four different areas. We're going to look at all four of these different areas. The first one uh, we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. He talks about getting wisdom or, or knowledge. He talks about getting smarter. Here's what he says. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom. All that is done under the heavens, the wisdom here's here he's talking about is, is not divine wisdom. He's talking about human wisdom. It's the kind of stuff that could win you jeopardy but it's not going to do you much good other than that, okay? 
What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. Remember, under the sun means a life lived independent God, or as though God doesn't really exist. It's a, it's a secular mindset, living as if earth is all there is. That's what under the sun means. He says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. His second favorite phrase means vapor. It's brief. It lacks substance. And here's his third favorite phrase, a chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried to chase the wind? Nobody raise your hand because we'll think you're crazy. Right? It's, it's maddening to think about chasing the wind. Dogs chase the wind. That's what he's getting at here. It's, it's, it's meaningless. It's a vapor. It's, it's like chasing after the wind. So he says to himself in verse 16, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. So this is what he's reflecting. Verse 17, then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. We'll come back to that here in a second. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge the more grief. There's a fun little proverb, right? He says, I'll try to get smarter. I'll try to gain knowledge. I'll try to be smarter than everybody around me. That'll satisfy me. And his conclusion, it didn't satisfy him at all. It's actually the opposite happened. He found himself full of sorrow and grief. It's, it's one of the reasons that the older you get, the more you're tempted to become cynical. Because you see more, you experience more, you gain more understanding, you gain more knowledge. It's, it's maddening. With more knowledge comes more grief. So that's the first area. Second area, he circles back around to this idea of madness and folly in chapter 2, verse 12. Skip ahead a little bit. We're going to come back to the section we're skipping here in a minute. But he's going to say, okay, if getting smarter doesn't satisfy, I'm going to try to be right. Moralism is what he goes after. Verse 12. Then I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. Madness and folly in the Old Testament is used to describe the crazy foolishness of disobeying God, of making choices that you know would disobey God. So in this context, wisdom is doing what you know God says. Madness and folly is not doing the opposite of that. So he wants to figure out what's right, what's wrong. Here's his conclusion. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. To which we all go, duh. Like wisdom is better than folly. We, we know that. What's right is better than what's wrong. And then light here is a symbol of spiritual discernment. Darkness is a symbol of spiritual blindness. So in the same way that right is better than wrong, spiritual discernment is better than spiritual blindness. And again, I think we'd all agree with that. I think we're all tracking. Here's where we might part ways. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But... I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. And so I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also, even though I'm trying to be 